You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 15 in your Bibles, the book of Revelation, we're, we're, we're working our way through it. The book of Revelation is not all in chronological order. For instance, last week we saw some things that will take place at the end of the tribulation. We saw some things that will take place at the battle of Armageddon. Remember we saw how the, uh, the, the, the wrath of God is likened unto a wine press and uh, how God's judgment will be uh, executed upon the unrighteous. Those that reject Jesus Christ, they will be judged. And those that uh, accept Christ, they will be saved and praise God for that. But we see in Revelation 15, we see that the, the focus goes back uh, now from the events on earth. It goes back to heaven. And it says in uh, chapter 15 and verse number 1, I saw another sign in heaven. And it was great and marvelous. But then we see the tone changes. It was that of seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. Wow, we don't hear too many messages on the wrath of God anymore, do we? Well, if you come to this church, I hope you do. Uh, I hope you understand that we, we preach uh, heaven, but we also preach that there's a hell. Uh, we preach that we should uh, uh, live righteous and live godly, and we preach that we should stay away from sin and, and avoid sin and, 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 and confess our sin and forsake our sin. And so you've got to have both. But not only do we have a God of love, but we also have a God who has wrath, and that wrath will be poured out someday. It says in verse 2, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord? And glorify thy name, for thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. They are, they are become clear, they are become evident. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of wrath of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray that you would convict us and challenge us tonight. 
I pray that we would not just come just to say we showed up, but I pray that we would leave with our hearts challenged and uh, with our lives changed and with our, 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 our minds strengthened that we might focus and that we might keep our attention upon you and that we might heed the word of God that is preached tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We see there is a focus on heaven and what is taking place in heaven in verse number one. I saw another sign in heaven. Did you know that that should not be something that is foreign to our thoughts? Did you know we ought to think about heaven? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever met someone, and I'm sure we're all guilty of this, but have you ever met someone that, uh, that was always talking about uh, something in the past, was always talking about another place? Maybe you've got somebody that, that comes to, to work with you, and all they can talk about is uh, how good it was at the other place. And, you know, you're thinking, well, well good night. You know, well, why don't you get your focus on where you are and what you're doing? But can I tell you, as Christians... We ought to have our focus and we ought to have our attention upon heaven because if we are here tonight and we're saved, and I hope you are, I know I'm saved, and I'm not saved because of me, I'm saved because of him. I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. But if you're saved, you're going to spend forever in heaven. That is your home. That is your eternal destination. That is your eternal dwelling place. And Colossians 3 says it like this. If ye then be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. You see, this world, we're just pilgrims, we're just strangers, we're just passing through. And so, yes, our focus should be on heaven. But then the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and God hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know that in the eyes of God and the way that God sees, sees things, did you know it's as if we are already in heaven? Because if you're saved, if God has promised you eternal life, it's as good as done. Now, I know we're not there yet, but that's where we're going. And as sure as I'm standing here tonight, I want to tell you, God keeps his promises. And if you're saved, you're saved forever. And if you're saved, you're saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've been saved by the grace of God. And it's as if you're already there. Your conversation, uh, your, your citizenship is in heaven if you're saved. But then I like this. Not only do we think about heaven, not only do we focus on heaven, not only do we live as if we're, we're already there because it, we will be in heaven, we will live forever in heaven, but then Hebrews chapter 4 takes it to another level and it tells us that we right now have the privilege to come before the throne of God and we can come before the throne of God and, and we can pray and we can talk to God and we can, we can live in God's presence. Now, hang on. We're going somewhere here. Have you, ever, have you ever met somebody that would always talk about the good old days of the church? Maybe it was a revival meeting. And by the way, I think you should talk about the good old days when God spoke to your heart and God worked in your heart. I've been in some great, great revival meetings. I've been in some great camp services. 
Boy, I've been in a place where the, the, the presence of God fell and I've been in the place where I've been under conviction and God worked in my heart. And, and, and we say, well, if we could just get back to that place. I love so much what our brother Askew will often say when we're having a, a revival, we're having a special speaker. In his prayer, he'll often say, Lord, would you please help us to experience revival because we know that the preacher is not going to bring revival in his briefcase. You know what he's saying? He's saying that revival is not about just a certain location or it's not about a certain place. Revival is about the power of God and the presence of God. And you and I can live in the presence of God every day. Did you know that today you had an opportunity to spend time in the presence of God? Now, whether or not you did is up to you. But God wants us to come before Him. God wants us to fellowship with Him. God wants us to come into His presence every day. So we see the scene in heaven, and I hope that you've uh, spent some time today already at the throne. I hope you've spent some time with the Lord. I hope that you have thought about heaven. I hope you've thought about what it would be like if that trumpet would sound today. You imagine it could happen tonight before we leave here. That trumpet could sound. We could be out of here. Jesus is coming. We are so close to heaven. I hope we live like it. I hope we think about it. I hope it captures our thought and captures our attention. If we're honest, we all get so wrapped up, don't we, in just the mundane. We get so wrapped up in just the little things. But the things that, and I, I think, you know, obviously, you've got to work and you got to, you got to eat. We've already talked about that. Some of you, some of you ate before and you're going to eat after and get up for a midnight snack. I mean, you got to do those things. But can I tell you, don't let the little things, the mundane, the, the, those temporal things, don't let those things keep you from focusing on that which is eternal. I see in this passage a couple thoughts. Number one, I see there is a sign in heaven. It says, I saw another sign in heaven. A sign is a wonder. Uh, it's, a, it's a miracle. It, it is a, uh, a miraculous occurrence. And it says that this sign in heaven, it was great and it was marvelous. Now, the word great here could be that which is intense, could be that which is violent, that which is strong. But the word marvelous here, it means of amazement with terror. Have you ever seen something that, you were amazed, but you were also a little scared. Maybe, maybe last night, if you were, and some of you were you, were, you were in the middle of that storm, or those storms coming through, and wow, you look at it, but there's also a little bit of fear. Well, this sign in heaven causes some amazement and some fear because it is the wrath of God that is getting ready to be poured out upon the world in these last judgments at the end of the tribulation. We have seen so far, we have seen the seven seal judgments where that scroll was open and the, the seals representing another judgment. Then we have seen the seven trumpet judgments, but now we're about to see the seven vile or bold judgments of the wrath of God poured out. This was a miracle in heaven that John saw. I'm glad to tell you that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience miracles. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, we, we experience miracles every day when you wake up in the morning. That's a miracle. Uh, when your heart's beating and your, your eyes are working. Uh, every time a baby is born, that's a miracle. Uh, creation is a miracle. Uh, how does the sun and the, the moon and the stars and, and the planets, and how does all that work? Well, that's a miracle. That's the miracle of creation. Salvation is a miracle. 
a life that is changed, a, a soul that is saved. That's a miracle. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. Don't get to where you're satisfied to live your Christian life without seeing anything great happen. Because God tells us that through His Word and through prayer, we can see miraculous things take place in our lives. But we see now the bold judgments, the vile judgments being poured out. It is seven vials, and when I say a vial, I always picture uh, like a, a, a test tube that you might see, uh, uh, you know, with a science experiment. And I think about those vials that are filled up, and they're, they're not filled up with, uh, with, with, with water. They're not filled up with a certain chemical, but they're filled up with the wrath of God. The Bible says that they are filled, meaning they are fulfilled, meaning that they are full. They are up to the top. It is the complete wrath of God. Now, when we think about wrath, when I think about wrath, I often think about losing my temper. You probably never lose yours, do you? Probably never happens to anybody else, but when we get mad, that's not usually good. Now, there is such thing as a righteous indignation, and absolutely, we ought to be mad and angry about sin. We ought to get angry when we see that Satan is, is destroying lives, and we ought to get angry when we see that wickedness is prevailing. But I'm talking about most of the wrath is not a good wrath. Uh, the, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But I want to remind you that God's wrath is a perfect and a righteous and a holy wrath. God does not judge anybody and then have to go back and say, oh, by the way, I'm sorry about that. God never has to go back and apologize and say, you know, I did a little bit more than I should have. God's wrath, God's judgment is perfect, it is complete, and it is absolutely right and justified. We see God's wrath is getting ready to be poured out. Verse number one, in them is filled up the wrath of God. But let me remind you, before God's wrath is poured out, God's mercy is extended. Do you remember the account of Noah in Genesis 6, where the Bible says that every imagination of the heart, it was only evil continually? And, and God said, my, my spirit will not always strive with man. What does that mean? It meant God was giving him time. It meant God was giving him opportunity. Even Noah, the Bible says, but Noah found what? He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But we see that God extends mercy and God extends grace and God gives opportunity, but there comes a point where God's judgment must come. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. God is patient. Daniel chapter 5, we see the account of Belshazzar. You remember that story? They were having a party there and, uh, in the palace, and uh, Belshazzar called for the golden vessels that had been taken from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. And he brought those vessels in, and they began to use those vessels for their party, where they were drinking and where they were having all kinds of wickedness and all kinds of immoral behavior. And, and, and by the way, you don't, you don't defile the things of God. You don't take a bunch of wickedness and try to mix it with that which is holy because they don't mix. And God has called us to be holy, and we are supposed to be the holy vessels, and we're supposed to be the vessels unto honor that God will use. And God doesn't want wickedness and filth and ungodliness in His children, in His vessels. But in Daniel chapter 5, 
the wrath of God was poured out. The Bible says that there was the finger of a man's hand that wrote on the plaster of the wall. Now, I think that would get my attention, and I think that'd get your attention. As a matter of fact, if you see that happening while I preach, would you please let me know? I think I will dismiss the service, and I think I'll get, my, get out of here, get myself out of here, and get my family and say, we're going somewhere else for tonight. But can you imagine if you saw a finger of a man's hand over on that wall, or maybe up here just carving a message? There was a message carved into that wall. And the message was many, many, tekel Eupharsin. And Daniel was the one that came and interpreted it. And he said, oh, king, he said, God has said that you have been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. God has taken your kingdom and God has divided it among the Medes and Persians. And, and what Daniel said was the message is, Belshazzar, time's up. Game's over. The wrath of God is going to fall. And the Bible says, and that night Belshazzar the king was slain that night the enemy invaded that night the judgment of God came but it did not come before first the mercy of God was extended this is the sign in heaven of the wrath of God the judgment of God it says in verse number uh, two it says and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire that sea of glass, it's, it's, it's clear and it's crystal, and that is what will be at the throne of God. But that sea of glass, it says it's mingled or mixed with fire. Fire in the Bible is a picture of the judgment of God. Uh, the fire of God falls and, and the power of God falls upon His children, but the fire of judgment falls upon those who, who reject God. And we see that fire there as God's judgment. We see in... This passage, number one, the sign in heaven. But secondly, I want you to notice there are songs in heaven. It says in verse number two, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, they stood on the uh, sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. We see there are songs in heaven. They're worshiping God. These are songs of victory. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. Turn back with me a page or two, if you would, to Revelation uh, 12. And verse number 11. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And here in Revelation 15, we see that these are those that had gotten the victory. You know who these saints got the victory over? It says it right here. They got the victory over the beast. They got the victory over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, 666. They got the victory and they are singing all about it. You know, that's the way it ought to be in the Christian life. We ought to see some victories and we ought to let God work some victories in our life and then we ought to sing about it. We ought to, we ought to let people know. We ought to have a song, and that song ought, ought not be, oh, life's so hard, life's so awful, and life's so terrible, but that song ought to be, praise God, He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. These tribulation saints didn't have it easy. These tribulation saints, remember, they got to a point where they couldn't buy or sell. 
Could you imagine how depressed some of us would be if we couldn't buy or sell? I'm not trying to make light of it, but some of you'd have to take a break from Amazon. Some of you'd have to take a break from Walmart. We'd, have to, we'd all have to take a break from Food Lion. And I wouldn't like that very much because I like to eat. We've already talked about that about three times in this service. But can you imagine you can't buy anything, you can't sell anything, and you got people out hunting for you and persecuting you and trying to kill you? And yet these saints said, hey, we've got victory. We have gotten the victory over the beast and over the, the mark and over the image and over the number. We have gotten the victory. By the way, even in the Christian life, even if we die, the Bible says, for to me live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. We have victory over death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And they're singing all about it. They're singing the song of victory in heaven. It says in verse number three, their song is a song of Moses, the servant of God. Hold your place in Revelation 15. And turn with me, if you would, please, to Exodus 15. Exodus 15 is the song of Moses. The song of Moses was sung after the children of Israel experienced the victory over Pharaoh and his army at the Red Sea. You remember that story? There, there, there's, no way, there's no way to get away from the Egyptian army and, and God parts the waters of the Red Sea and they go through on dry ground and as soon as they get through, the waters close in and drown Pharaoh and drown his army and the chariot wheels fall off and the Bible says that, that when they saw them, uh, they were all dead corpses floating on the water, coming up on the seashore. And after that, Moses said, you know what? We didn't do that. We were done. We were dead. Moses said, we've got to give God glory for what he did. And Moses gives us the song, verse number one, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Notice with me, verse number six, thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Look at verse number 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And here we are in Revelation 15. And guess what? They're singing the song of Moses. And they're singing the song of the Lamb. You say, what's the difference? Here you've got Moses and the children of Israel that were under the law. And here you have the tribulation saints in the book of Revelation. And they're singing the song of the Lamb. And I'll say this. The answer is, there's no difference. Because salvation has always been through the blood. Salvation has always been through Jesus. There is no other way. And victory has always been from God. There, there's no victory in us. There's no victory in ourselves. There's no power in us. All the power, all the glory, everything good in us belongs to Him. And they're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy 
works. I want you to uh, underline that word or write down that word, works. Did you know works represents what God does? And God does great things. Great things he hath done, right? Everything he does is wonderful. Everything he does is great. But it says, great are thy works, Lord God Almighty. But then it says, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints. Not only is what God does right, but how God does it is right. And when God does it, and where God does it, that's his ways. Now, sometimes we just want to see the end product, right? We just want to see the, 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 the end. We want to see the finish line, and, and there it is. And we say, well, good, it's, it's done. But God doesn't just do things well and finish things well, but how he does them is absolutely right. Now, I don't always understand his ways, and I don't always understand his timing, and if you're honest tonight, neither do you. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's God. He, his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. And so we see God's works, that's what he does. God's ways, how he does it. But then we see his worship. Verse number four, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Now, let me ask this question to you. Let me pose this question to you as they posed in their song. Who shall not fear thee? And who shall not glorify thee? I'll tell you who should be fearing God. I'll tell you who should be reverencing God. It should be us. I'll tell you who should be doing something for God. I'll tell you who should be worshiping God. It should be us. But the question is asked, who wouldn't want to worship God? Who wouldn't want to fear God? Who wouldn't have enough sense to glorify God? Because all nations shall come and worship before thee. We see the songs in heaven. I want you to notice also, go back to verse number, um, I'll go, up, go ahead to verse number five. And after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Now, there's a lot of words there to describe this object that we're talking about. We're talking about the temple of God. That was the place of worship that uh, David prepared for and Solomon built. You remember that of, of Solomon's temple. But before they had the permanent structure of the temple, what did they use before for worship? It was temporary. It was called the, the tabernacle. And so here we see in heaven that you can call it what you want to. You can call it the tabernacle. You can call it the temple. Uh, it's more permanent, so you can call it the temple. I think that's probably the better choice. But in the temple, there is the testimony. Now, in the Old Testament, there were a couple different names for the ark. The ark of the covenant. It was also referred to as the Ark of the Testimony. And it was the Ark. Now, I'm not talking about Noah's Ark, okay? Just make sure we're on the same page. I'm talking about the piece of furniture that was in the Holy of Holies. That was where the Shekinah glory of God came down 
and inhabited that place. That was where the high priest could only go once a year. That was the place where nobody else could go at any time except for the high priest once a year because that was where the presence of God was so powerful. God's people could not enter into that place because the ark was there. Inside the ark, you had the, uh, the, the, the tables of stone with the Ten Commandments. You had the, the pot of the manna. You had Aaron's rod that budded. And, and you had those, uh, the, the, those, those angels, those cherubims with their wings spread out over the ark of the covenant, over that mercy seat. The Bible says that in heaven, the temple is opened. And there, lo and behold, is the ark of the testimony. Now, some, some believe that it's going to be the actual ark that was in Solomon's temple. That's very possible. Uh, some believe that God will just make a new one. How many of you know God can do whatever he wants to? I mean, he's God. And, and if he can create the universe in, in, in six days and rest on the seventh, he can make a new ark if he wants to. But John sees that, that ark and the heaven was open. It says in verse 6, the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues. They were clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the um, seven angels, seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. We see the, uh, the sign in heaven, number two, the songs in heaven, number three, the sea in heaven. We didn't really talk much about that, but that's the crystal sea, the crystal river that flows near the throne of God. But I want to close with this, number four, I want you to notice the smoke in heaven. It says in verse eight, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. In Exodus 40, we see that there was a cloud that covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode therein and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Smoke always comes from fire. And fire in the Bible is a, a picture of the presence of God, of the power of God. It was those, those, those cloven tongues of fire that came down in Acts 2 that rested upon those disciples in that upper room and the power of God and the Spirit of God. And from that fire, there, there comes the smoke. The Bible says in Revelation 15 that there is God's presence so thick in heaven that it's like smoke. Now, we're, I'm not a big fan of, of smoke. Uh, some of you may, may not mind it as much. Some of you may like to light, set things on fire and all that stuff. I'm not a big fan of that. But I know a few things about smoke. I know when smoke fills a room, one thing you better do is you better get down as low as you can, right? Well, you know what happens when the presence of God fills a place? God's people get real low. And we get real humble because we realize how great and how holy He is. And we realize how unworthy we are. Another thing that happens when smoke comes is, you notice something always happens to your eyes? Seems like without, without being able to control it, tears will start to form and tears will start to come from your eyes when smoke gets in your eyes. You know what happens when the presence of God gets in a church and the presence of God gets among God's people? We get our tears back. We, we get broken again. We start to care about souls again. We, we, we start to say, 
You don't have to twist my arm, Pastor, to get me to tell somebody about Jesus. I want to tell somebody about Jesus. You get broken for lost people. You get broken for people that are backslidden. You get broken for people that are away from God. And tears of compassion begin to fall when the smoke and the glory of God comes. We know that smoke always has a source, and we know the source of this smoke in Revelation 15 because Hebrews tells us that our God is a consuming fire. And this smoke is a result of God being in that place. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm also not trying to be spooky. But I hope there are times when people come into this church, and I hope there are times when people say, I don't know what's going on here, but God's doing something. I hope there's times where people will walk in. Maybe it's during a choir special. Maybe it's uh, during a, a message. Maybe it's during an invitation. Maybe it's during a Sunday school class. Maybe it's just being around God's people, but people will say, this is not man-made. This is something that God is doing. And can I tell you, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be a Christian that lives in the presence of God. This is not just for show. This is not just to go through the motions. This needs to be something that only God can do. We don't need machines that can produce man-made smoke, but we certainly need the power of the Holy Spirit of God to fill this place and to fill our lives and to consume us and to control us. I mentioned earlier, sometimes we, we say, well, if, you know, if we, had a, if we send our teens off to camp, you know, maybe God will speak to them there. And I believe God does speak at camp. I hope you will send your teens to camp. But if teens wait for a camp once a year to be in the presence of God, that's a problem. But if we can get with God and spend time with God and get on our knees and spend time in the presence of God every day, wouldn't it be great if we could live in the presence of God? Wouldn't it be great if we could know God and experience God? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven like Revelation 15 describes that scene in heaven. You can know God. I can know God and walk with God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.